as you look around, like the song says, right? It's beginning to look a lot like springtime. Thank you to our friends from Florida who brought this beautiful weather to Washington these days. And when we think of springtime, of course, we think of life, new life. What came to be through him was life. And this life was the light of the human race. Springtime is about life. And Christmas today, in a very particular way, is about the life of a very unique being, the birth of the God-man, Jesus Christ, in Bethlehem. And we tell the story, we know the story so well, of Mary and Joseph, the angels and the animals and shepherds and wise men. We say this every year, and we're so familiar with it that it just is almost like another story, a story of the past, a story that tells us 2,000 years ago just who was there and what happened. But there's a danger in just telling the story as a story, simply to recount what took place with Mary and Joseph and all of that. No, what's very important is to tell the story with a view towards its message or its truth or the many truths about it. Last evening, I was with my nephews, and they always want me to read that story of "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." And they want to hear it again and again and again. And they focus on all the trappings of this and that, or Santa Claus and the reindeer and the toys. And That's the story. Those are the accidents. Those are the elements that surround the substance of some truth. And so when they say to me the sixth time, would you read that story again, Uncle James? Twas the night before Christmas. I say, you know, guys, I'm going to give you the abridged version now. Let's just boil it down, break it down to this. The story is essentially about justice. The virtue by which I give to another his or her proper due. It's about reward and punishment. Do good, you get a toy. Do bad, you get a lump of coal. Got it? That's the story in its substance. It's about reward and punishment. Now they start crying when they hear that. (laughs) Sometimes the truth is hard to hear. So what's the truth? There are many truths about this story of the birth. But let's focus on one takeaway today, on this Christmas 2019. And that is the truth about weakness. See, God becomes weak in Jesus of Nazareth. Nothing more precious, nothing more vulnerable, nothing more weak than a newborn baby. Right? Now, if I were God, and I'm not, but if I were, and I wanted to save the human race from sin, if I wanted to save the human race at all, I would have done this far more efficiently. Right? We've come so far 
from Bethlehem. We don't need animals and shepherds and swaddling clothes and come on, grow up. This is 2019. We're brilliant. We're so smart. We've mastered everything. We think we're our own God sometimes. No, if I were God, this would have been done perfectly. Just like this church. Just like there's no leaves on those grass right out there, right? It's perfect. Right? I would have created from all eternity the perfect message. I would have mastered it in every language, in every dialect. I would have had it ready in the fullness of time for people past, present, future, all religions, all philosophies, all walks of life. I would have said, I love you. All is forgiven. You and I are okay, whatever. And then in the fullness of time, at the right moment, I would press send. The email goes out. The tweet goes out to all the world. Done. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that perfect? Isn't that just easy? You look at me like I'm a fool. Because I am. God doesn't have a cell phone. God doesn't have an iPad. iPod, i this, i that. He doesn't have Amazon in heaven to buy these things. There's no money. No, God can't do the artificial. That's one thing God cannot do, among many things God cannot do. He can't act artificially. Because that's man-made stuff. No, the only God-made stuff is real. So if he's going to become a man, if he's going to take on flesh, he's got to do it through her. Blood of her blood, flesh of her flesh, her DNA. Keeping it real. Because that's the way God works. In his created order, he's going to take on flesh seriously, truly. Through a woman, a co-man, a woman, a woman. See, he doesn't have a human nature, so he can't just beam in like Scotty on Star Trek. It's got to be real. And so again, the question, yeah, if I were to be born, okay, then it's going to be, again, perfect and beautiful. It's going to look like that Hallmark card that we all get at Christmas, where everyone is serene and peaceful, and joyful, and loving, and kind, and Hollywood production. Bigger than life, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, majesty and glory and power, prestige, position, money. It's got to be big, friends. Not that. Not that. Crash. Rags a hovel, a dump. Rejected from the very beginning. There was no room for him at the inn. The world did not want him. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, 
He came to what was his own, but his own did not accept him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born in Bethlehem, is hunted down from the very hours of his birth by Herod, by politicians and insecure and angry people who say, no, I don't want another king in my life. No one will have rule over me. I'm independent. I have my own way of looking at life, and I am right all the time. You can't tell me, welcome to the culture. As true then as it is now, he was rejected from the very beginning. If I were God, I would not be rejected. You would accept me. You would bow down before me. You would worship me. But they didn't. Now the story of Jesus that we tell year after year is not actually, if you look at it, objectively, historically, a pretty story. I'm sorry to say. I don't want to take the joy out of your Christmas today. But I do want to preach the truth about weakness. Because... That's the truth among many truths of his birth. That he took on human weakness. He took on betrayal. He took on hatred and anger. He took on death. Again, if I were God, that's not my story. But this story then is so different and so unique because we're talking about the birth of a God-man. And no other religion has ever professed that. Prophet, yes, but a God-man, no. No, it's very difficult for Islam and Judaism to ever accept Christianity in this respect. Because God is only spirit for them, never flesh. It's hard for us to accept this, that God is really flesh. That God would become weak and lowly and humble and poor. Oh, no. That's so undeserving of God. It's inappropriate. It's not fitting. Oh no. He takes on weakness. He takes on poverty. He lives it for 33 years of life. Walks about 60 miles of a radius in an area called the Holy Land. You can go there today and walk the footsteps of God made flesh in Jesus. And dies. And that's not the end of the story. Of course, it begins. And here we are 2,000 years later telling the same story, but with a perspective today on weakness. Because now, through this revelation of God made man in weakness, in poverty, in lowliness, in humility, in simplicity, in that whole revelation of God walking among us and making his home here with us, that we can be at home with him. What we now know in faith is that human life, God's precious gift, is no less beautiful when it is accompanied by sickness or illness, hunger or poverty, mental or physical handicaps, loneliness or old age. Indeed, at these times, life takes on Extra splendor. Extra splendor. Because it shows us and invites us to greater care, concern, and reverence. 
because so often in and through the weakest of human vessels, God continues to show us the power of his love. In and through the weakest of human vessels, 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 God continues to reveal the power of his love. That's amazing. That is amazing from conception to death. The dignity of human life, the dignity of the human body. Oh, you can see why the church is so concerned about all this stuff. And proclaiming it in season and out of season, whether convenient or not, the dignity of the human person. That's Catholic. It's Catholic Christian. Because God took on flesh. And now there's a dignity about our humanity that never really was the case before in its fullness, historically. Never was the case before, historically. Now God wants to make a home with you. From all eternity, he always wanted to be at home with you. And we are always looking to be at home with him. In fact, we say home for the holidays, don't we? But it really is actually home for the holy days. Because the word holiday comes from holy day. Happy holy days, everyone. Use that one on the streets. That'll work. Happy holy days. And Christmas is the first over the next 12 days of those holy days. We have the feast of Mary, Joseph, and the baby next weekend. Then we have Mary, Mother of God on January 1st. Then we have Epiphany. We have baptism. We have all these great holy days in which God, in his birth, in his early life, is making his home in the world. The question, finally, then, unlike those who said there's no room at the inn, who said, get out of my life, I don't want you, who reject him, and by rejecting others who are not like me, not of my political persuasion, not of my own way of looking at life and controlling this universe, will I stand with them or will I now approach that crash, that manger, and bow down before him, not in subjugation, but with gratitude. Because the reason he came into the world, the reason for this season of Christmas, the reason why God became man, was to die, to be the perfect act of cultic sacrifice, to atone for all sin, for all peoples, for all religions, for all philosophies, past, present, future, living, dead. A universal kingdom They missed it then. They continue to miss him now. Don't miss being at home with him. As he offers his little arms to you in a manger, will offer his big arms to you on a cross, and offers you now the chance to pick him up 
and let him live in you. In weakness, we find our strength. He became weak that we might become strong. He became poor that we might be rich in spirit. Oh, I'm glad I'm not, I'm not God. I would never have done it that way. Thank God he did it.